eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we have broken into the 50s on, in terms of temperature. We have a little bit of spring-like weather here. We'll take it. It's been a long winter here. We know it's not done yet, but... Here mid-February, aside from the temp here on a Thursday, another sign that we are getting closer to spring ball announcement, the blue-white game now set for a 2 p.m. kickoff Saturday, April 23rd. Uh, we're going to get a chance, to, if you're not at the game, to see it on uh, Big Ten Network that we broadcast live during the action. So, Sean, it's been a, a long time. I just wanted to briefly mention that because that's something that was announced here before we sat down to record. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, we don't have a ton of recruiting to talk about on this episode First time since 2019, you're going to have the opportunity to host prospects in Beaver Stadium for a spring game. This is a very big deal. Always an important na- uh, date on the calendar. Um, you look through the the sort of the benchmarks throughout the se- or throughout the year, and blue white game is always a huge one. Lash bash, of course, whiteout game. I mean, those kind of that's kind of the trifecta right there. When you take a look at building the commitment list over the years, those guys uh, that are on that commitment list have usually you know, usually get to all three, if not, you know, two out of three or something like that. So um, I, I think it's it's one of those things where you got to uh, figure out how this is going to go again, because it's been so long since you've been able to do it. Remember last year, they kind of opened it up for uh, for recruits when they, uh, you know, put out those that late night ticket sale, quote unquote, uh, you know, this just so happened that Bo Prabula and Nick Singleton and some of those other guys were waiting for, uh, you know, just just happened to be on at the right time. Um, so this year it's, it, you're going to get them in. You can host official visits, which is uh, something that's a, a little bit uh, twisted from the last couple of years. Um, you can host official visits. You should be able to get those guys in in from out of uh, out of state, the Florida guys and things like that. But, yeah, always a huge thing to look forward to. Penn State's going to hit the ground running, um, get guys back on campus in March. Uh, of course, we talked about the spring break being that 6th to 11th week and then come back, coming back after that, getting uh, getting guys on campus pretty much every day. That's kind of how it works uh, works now. Where you're getting guys that takes take a couple, you know, a couple a couple hours off of school and are able to make it up through the week, and that way you get a a one on one visit or something like that with the coaching staff. It's a, the coaches are not on the road at that point, so um, yeah, it's a it's something to look forward to with spring recruiting. It's it always uh, it's always fun to track uh, the the six or seven guys that seem to pop up every day or every other day, and and you sort of go from there. We kind of got away from that with the with the dead period, so it'll be fun to track once again. 
April 23rd, 2 p.m. We'll see you there. Bunch of new faces on the field, some new faces on the coaching staff. Uh, be here hopefully, you know it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm thinking about it. I mean, we are we are really closer to that than we are to the end of the regular season when Penn State finished up in East Lansing, uh, losing to Michigan State. So, you know, it, it's been a, it's always that weird part of the, of the offseason where there's not a ton happening, but the team is evolving and a lot of that happening inside the facilities right now, Sean. And winter workouts are into week two. Um, actually, session number four took place very early this morning on a Thursday. We mentioned before there are our positional coach shout outs each and every session after these things where running backs coach is going to point out a top performing running back each session. Again, very dangerous to try to dig too deep into any of this stuff, but I did make note of it and put up a story uh, toward the tail uh, earlier this week, I should say, about Kevon Lee going three for three um, on those running back recognitions. Uh, you know, you had every position coach, Sean, picking at least two different guys for those first three days, a lot of them picking three different players. I don't know if it was something that Jay Wan Sider felt he needed to do or something that Kevon Lee straight up earned. But three for three on those shout outs, because I Holmes was the guy here on a Thursday. You factor in the the arrival of Nick Singleton, the five star running back. And that stood out to me a little bit. I try not to, to go down that slippery slope. We do monitor what these coaches are putting out there. But to go Kevon Lee, Kevon Lee, Kevon Lee sent some kind of message, at least from that running back room. Yeah, and I think it's something that they can use as a motivational tool. I mean, I you, you don't want to read too much into these things, but use it as a motivational tool, not only as a carrot for the guy that, that you're trying to get to come along and turn that corner like a Kevon Lee, but the guys behind him like a Nick Singleton who are kind of picking up small little habits, work habits and work ethic things from those guys. So I think it's a sort of a balance there. You said Kaziah Holmes was the uh, running back today. So encourage encouraged to see what he looks like this spring as well. And, and then you've got position rooms where, you know, We've got, what, five guys in that position room right now. The quarterback's got four guys, so you're bound to see some doubles. But, yeah, Kevon Lee, um, you know, hopefully it's a sign that he's embracing it moving forward and, and going uh, going to be, you know, the back that they think he can be. But he's got guys on his tail. We've heard great things about Singleton so far. We, we kind of knew what Singleton would bring to the table, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, just based off his training numbers, um, his track stuff, and, and, and really just the way that he's put himself together together over the last couple of years years but yeah i think you can use it as, as a motivational tactic on both ends you you dangle that carrot out in front of uh kevon lee and have him be the guy that you you want him to be and then you you serve that motivation to the younger guys who are trying to essentially take carries from him and that's the thing that you you think about with positions like wide receiver as well where you're trying to get those reps going in your direction get the ball going in your direction and and you know that's a way that you can sort of see that uh that winter workout uh, the offseason workouts and things like that can can be to your benefit List six foot four, two hundred thirty nine pounds. Kevon Lee just shy of one thousand career rushing yards, but he's he's pretty well established as the most accomplished back in, in that room in terms of what they've done at the college level. Devin Ford has had some flashes. Um, really, Kevon Lee has had flashes, and 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 it's 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 hard to say anything more than that. But but what what we're working with in a post Noah Kane situation and the two freshmen coming in now, it, Lee is the guy you look to have has done the most in a Nittany Lions uniform. Um, and Sean over uh, on the defensive side, the only freshman that has been recognized by any of these position coaches now. So, you know, multiply uh, all the position coaches by four different sessions. There's been quite a bit of shout outs. The only guy who has surfaced is a first year player, Zane Durant in the defensive line room. And, and that came from John Scott earlier this week and uh, kind of on the heels of your reporting on lines 24 seven that he's turned some heads early on. 
Yeah, this is a kid that uh, explosive athlete. He's also a young kid. He's 17 years old. So explosive athlete just got here in January. Um, kind of different in terms of just uh, quick twitch guy inside. You don't get a ton of those guys. So uh, Zane Durant came in six foot one, so listing him at 260 right now. So I, I think kind of you're going with the, the the workout hype and you see what he's done as a testing guy. Andrew Ivins was very high on him as a, as a testing guy. Um, I don't know how that's going to transition to a role on the field because being at 6'1", 260, are you going to play him at the five technique, you know, play him like you did given Kevin Givens early in his career? Cause I don't think he's ready to be a, a full-time guy at defensive tackle. Not many freshmen are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to see the athleticism shining through this. A kid that uh, I think bench 360 ran in the four sevens for Penn state when he arrived uh, really, really uh Really positive numbers, really optimistic numbers. And you know, like I said, don't want to send the train too far down the tracks because you don't know where he's going to fit in defensively and in that scheme and things like that. But from an athletic perspective, they don't they don't make too many like Zane Durant, uh, at least here at Penn State. Durant, one of nine early enrolled freshmen uh, and now at Penn State. And again, the only one to get that shout out through the first couple of weeks of winter workouts. A few more weeks ahead, then you get spring break and then spring practice starts culminating in what we just discussed, the blue-white game on April 23rd. Obviously, a major storyline of football season, Sean, and we've discussed it plenty here, is the transfer portal. No one does a better job across the country than keeping their finger on the pulse of the transfer portal than Chris Hummer, a national analyst with 24-7 Sports. We've had him on the show. It's probably been about a year, though, Chris, and we like to come to you when we're in the offseason, get a little more big-picture feel on things. We talk so much about Penn State, but college football has done a great job of trying to keep up with that evolution. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Y'all do a great job. I enjoy following y'all's work at the site, so I'm excited to be on. We greatly appreciate that, Chris. And and let's start with the portal. Um, you have you put out some great tweets just about every day about how much the portal is is just wrecking college rosters and rebuilding college rosters. How much has the portal taken a step forward in impacting the overall game this offseason? I mean, it's pretty significant. I think we're um, well over 2,000 transfers in the portal this cycle. We're on pace, potentially, to clear the 3,000 FBS player barrier in the portal. I think we're at like 13% of FBS scholarship players are in the portal right now. So <laughs> we're on pace for maybe like a fifth of FBS players to transfer at some point this year. So it's, it's pretty crazy. It's drastically changed roster construction. Um, if you look at the signing numbers from 2018, so the class before the portal went in, I think we had like 60 of 65 schools sign 20 plus high school kids in their class. I think we're down to like 27 this year. So it's just a drastic shift in the way teams look at roster construction, the pieces available to them. And it's, I think it's had a way larger impact than anybody could have ever expected. Chris, Chris, what's that calendar look like right now? Cause it was, you know, last year it was load up in the off season, you know, between Christmas and, and the start of the spring semester. Of course you're seeing guys, we saw a rush this week. I think of quality players that are, you know, kind of feeling out the spring, getting their spring tuition taken care of and everything like that. So what's the calendar like, what can you expect moving forward, especially for Penn state who's, who's got two transfer commitments, but obviously wants to look more at certain positions. Yeah, I think a lot of schools will certainly get a feel for where they're at in the spring. Um, and that works both ways. Schools are going to try to figure out where they need to upgrade positions. And I'm sure school like Penn State's um, in that situation. They're also after a couple transfers still on the market. And then a lot of players are going to evaluate their situations as well. Um, we just had Jaden Daniels on. I don't know. Is, 
I don't know if this is uh, going today or tomorrow for the publication of this, but he entered the portal on um, Thursday, um, or he will enter the portal later today. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. It's been a long day. But um, yeah, it's just, you're going to see quality players in the portal um, throughout the spring. Um, the cutoff date to enter the portal is May 1st. So if you want to be eligible next year, you have to be in the portal by May 1st. And I think you're going to see a lot of players enter by that date because they want to have their options open as they head into the summer and potentially enroll at a new school. Chris, I did see your reporting on Jaden Daniels. It sounds like he's probably going to stick in the Pac-12, but he's the latest big-time quarterback talent, a guy who could change your team in 2022 to hit that market. And this is when people say the evolution of college football free agency, there's no position more prevalent in that discussion than the quarterback spot, the ability to, to maybe add two, three wins, get yourself in college football playoff contention. Um, how big of a shift has there been since the transfer opened up and you've been documenting it in what – roster or what coaches need to do with their quarterbacks from the time they recruit them to campus and once they're on campus to actually keep them on the roster? I don't know if there's a good answer to that. It's just quarterback's such a singular position because there's only one person who can play on the field and no other position can really compare to that. Um, if you look at 2010 to 2019, 63% of scholarship quarterbacks, or I'm sorry, 63% of four and five-star quarterbacks have transferred at least once in their careers. But if you just narrow that down to 2016 to 2019, so classes actually impacted by the portal, that number jumps to 70%. And I think it's going to continue climbing. So we're we're in an era where four-fifths essentially, or I'm sorry, like that's not good math, seven-tenths <laughs> of um, four- and five-star quarterbacks transfer at least once in their career. And I expect that number to only increase. And it's just made managing your quarterback room really difficult. I think there's different strategies teams have. Um, I think Clemson for a long time has been good at taking an elite quarterback every other cycle. We see Lincoln Riley was doing that before we left Oklahoma. He was doing a similar strategy. You see schools just take who you can get, kind of like Ohio State, take the best guy every cycle and let it sort itself out. But if you're not careful, you're going to run out of bodies in your room very quickly, And which is why you see the transfer market as almost like a secondary thing. You're not looking for starters in some cases. You're looking for players who can – uh, plug holes from a depth perspective for people so it's a really um it's a really unique uh kind of thing out there for coaches right now as they manage their qb rooms chris before we spoil it and get into penn state's needs what which positions have you seen strong in this cycle and which positions have been lacking i don't know how how closely you follow that we have our rankings of course on 24 7 sports but what positions jump to your mind when you say there's a maybe a, i don't want to say surplus because that's not the right word for it but there seems to be a, a glut of talent at one spot and and coming up short at others i think this is a much better quarterback cycle than we've seen especially last year like significantly stronger we've seen much better quarterbacks than the portal I think it's just kind of dependent on the year. Um, it's always going to be really strong at wide receiver. It's always going to be really strong in the secondary. There are more of those players. They move around more frequently, which is why we see so many numbers. Those are two positions. I think the linebacker class, the cycle has been pretty decently strong. Um, I know you didn't ask this, but the two, the two positions that I think are always going to have the least amount of impact players are offensive and defensive line. Um, those are the most difficult positions to fill, especially on the offensive side of things. And those players become the hottest commodities in the market as soon as they enter the portal, just because of how few impact players are available. Have, have you seen, seen that right now? Stretching, Tyler sorry, sorry, Tyler. But have you seen yeah. teams stretching at those positions? Is that is that kind of where we get the you know the the indication that some of these guys are probably punching above their weight because they are offensive tackles and there's not a ton of those going around, defensive linemen, things like that. 
I mean, if an offensive tacker, tackle enters the portal right now and he's started two years, he's going to have 10, 15 offers. And like I think, as Tyler was about to mention, Tyler Cena is a really good example of that. Like A pretty good tackle at Vanderbilt who is now getting interest from Alabama just because of how few positions or how few tackles are available that can impact your roster right away. And I don't think Tyler Cena is going to be a first or second day pick in the NFL draft, but he's good enough to where he can help you and fill a hole. And you're seeing a lot of teams need that desperately. Penn State has a couple of pickups. One is on the offensive line. Second consecutive year now they go the Ivy League route. And they bring in Hunter Norzad, who was the Ivy League lineman of the year with Cornell. Eric Wilson was their starting left guard last year. He's moved on, uh, was at Harvard previously. And then Mitch Tinsley uh, comes in after going bonkers in that Western Kentucky offense that everybody had a little bit of fun in last year. Um, but that's been it. I mean, last year we saw Penn State make a pretty big splash, specifically in the winter uh, portion of this thing. They brought in Arnold Ebicade and Derek Tangelo, who ended up being full-time starters for them on the defensive line. Johnny Dixon was in early. He played a contributing role in the defensive secondary. Um, but we were kind of waiting for a little bit more uh, I guess action here something James Franklin said was a lot of these guys when they enter the portal they have a plan um how much is the tampering how much is the behind behind the scenes stuff and how much is decided before we even hear a, a guy is out there on the portal market just went right at him <laughs> yeah <laughs> tampering uh tampering definitely exists um I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for this um I don't have one. I think <laughs> I think if you like I'm trying to get an Xbox Series X right now, like for real. If I had any ability to tamper with the supply to where I could make sure I could get an Xbox Series X, I would do everything I could. And I think you're seeing a lot of colleges do very similar things. Um the NCAA right now, enforcement um isn't really there uh, in a lot of cases. Um NIL especially, but with the transfer market, there's just so many available um, routes you can go to get in touch with the prospect. There are so many different um, connections out there that coaches know to kind of help them with that. And you're seeing so much tampering and really obvious tampering too. Um, I'm not going to call out any schools, but I've seen several instances of this year where somebody enters the portal and the next day they commit to the other school. And it was super obvious what the connection was. And it was super obvious where they were going to go the moment they stepped in the portal. So we're seeing a ton of that. Um, some schools are much cleaner than others, and I don't want to say it hurts them because I think that's probably how the game should be played. But if you're not tampering a little bit, you're probably a bit behind right now. And there's there's schools that are telling kids to hold off on decisions just to so it's not so obvious. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's it's <laughs> yeah. pretty crazy. A couple of guys that you're familiar with, uh, you're in Texas, uh, Grayson and Gabriel Murphy, the twins from North Texas, Penn State targets. They've, they've gone after him or gone after both of those guys. They need edge rushers. They need, you know, guys that can play that hybrid linebacker position as well. Um, you know, what what have you seen from those guys? What makes those guys uh, so hotly pursued? I know USC offered a couple other schools offered, but what uh, makes those guys appealing for schools like Penn State? I mean, they're flexible edge guys. As you said, they can stand up or they can play. Um with their hand in the dirt, um, they get after the passer. I think both had over 14 tackles for loss last year. I know the UNT staff was really sad to lose them because those guys can really play. Um, they have offers from across the country for a reason. Um, all I know is they definitely want to play together. Um, I believe Gabriel told me that they're a package deal at the next stop. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them over the next month or two. They've got, they're going to get visits set up. I don't know if those are 100% set yet, but there are some schools pursuing them on the quarter system. So that could push up a deadline in a way that we 
probably wouldn't see otherwise. I think schools in the quarter system are actually a pretty big advantage in the portal right now uh, for a lot of reasons, but that'll be interesting what to track. Is, can, you explain, can you explain what that means to our, to our listeners? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, if a school's on the quarter system, so like schools either on the semester, go two semesters, so spring and fall, or they're in the quarter system where they have, I believe, fall, winter, spring, summer for their quarters. And if you're on the quarter system, you have another semester start date starting in mid-March, which means players can enroll in mid-March at your school, participate in spring practice and get into your school earlier. So about two months earlier than they would otherwise um, if they enrolled during the summer somewhere else. So it's a pretty significant advantage for schools. You can have kids take their time in the spring, take their visits and still get them in for spring ball in a way a lot of other schools can't if they're not in the quarter system. That is interesting because, Sean, we've talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. What you got is what you got right now. And, and we, we've kind of been saying May, you know, you, you want to see who comes in in May. Hunter Norzad's graduating from Cornell in May. But would be a nice thing if, if you still had that window open here at Penn State where be, right before right before you get on the spring practice field, maybe you can get someone in your uniform. Uh, Chris, you mentioned uh, one hot button topic there, but it wasn't really anything you gave details on. The NIL, how big of a deal is that in the transfer portal market? How much of those two things collided, urged, and created a bit of chaos? I think, I think it really depends on the person. I think in some ways NIL is super overblown. And in some ways it's very underrated for how much of an impact it makes sense. For the large majority of players, and this, this is how it's always been, they're not going to command a lot of NIL dollars. It's just not the case. I'm Like a starting left tackle, unless you're at Texas and you're eating pancakes for 50K a year, probably isn't going to command huge money on the NIL market. But a quarterback, on the other hand, can command a lot. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that play a role in the transfer market. Um, at the All-American Bowl, we did a survey of the players there. So we talked to 87 players there. And I think only like 17% said NIL played a role in their recruitment. And this was an anonymous survey. So this was just like how they felt. So I don't think you're seeing a ton of players being impacted by NIL. But for the ones that it does matter for, it matters a significant amount. And it's changing destinations for players. It's changing things last minute. I think we saw in this recruiting cycle, you saw some last minute change of hearts and it's because of NIL packages being put together last minute. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic right now. And it's, as I said before, with the NCAA enforcement, there is almost none. There are very few rules. NIL rules state by state are rather uneven. In some cases, NIL rules within the state, how schools handle it individually are different. Um, so it's, it's created a bit of a mess, but NIL certainly does play a role, um, with the player movement right now. We'll be right back on the Lions 24 seven podcast. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. 
Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Are we, are we going to get to the point where players will almost hold schools hostage or programs hostage by going into the portal and saying, I, you know, I can't come back without a deal. Cause we, we kind of, I don't want to say this is what happened with, with Tyler Barron at Tennessee, but that's a guy that Penn state was really interested in when he hit the portal. And then he went back to Tennessee a couple days later, we, a week later or something like that with the rumor that NIL had something to do with that. So is this, is this a direction that we're seeing this one go in? I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, we, I, I don't want to say it's like the player empowerment thing, but we see, players in the NBA, especially I use every leverage Avenue available to them. And I think for a very small number of college football players, you're going to certainly see that. I think we saw some of that with Caleb Williams Um, in his example, leaving Oklahoma, he was trying to use as much leverage as possible in a situation. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if it always worked out that way for him, the way he wanted it to. And he ultimately ended up where everyone expected him to, but when you have leverage, you use it. And we're seeing a lot of players do so, whether that's NIL, like place, I don't want to say depth chart placement, but I've certainly heard rumors about people trying to ask for guaranteed spots on depth charts in the portal as part of the leverage because they're a very highly sought after player. So we're, we're seeing all of that right now. You talk about the, the payouts that can occur um, and the leverage that can be used for some of these top uh, prospects are in the transfer portal, um, but there's people who also think their leverage is a lot more than it actually is, and and they're getting left behind. I know you wrote a pretty comprehensive piece on this a couple of years ago when we were still trying to wrap our heads around the portal, and, and we still are trying to wrap our heads around the portal, I guess. But at this stage, have you seen enough um, to, to reach a verdict about the downside of the transfer portal, especially as these numbers, and, and you said the percentage of FBS players hitting the portal, they're just feels like musical chairs to me. There's just not enough seats going to be left. Yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of risk uh, when it comes to entering the portal if you don't have your information straight. Uh, we looked at the 2018-2019 class for a study a couple of years ago, and I found that only 38.2% of FBS scholarship players who enter the portal actually end up staying on the FBS level as a scholarship player. So less than 40% of FBS scholarship players who entered the portal that cycle stayed on the FBS level. And not, not everybody's looking to stay in the FBS. I don't want to misconstrue that. Some players just want the opportunity to play. But there's just a lot of guys who think they're going to find a spot and won't have one because there's just not enough spots to go around. Um, I think a really good example of that is Jordan Anthony. He was at Michigan, um, a former top 100 recruit. He was a five-star from some services. He played there for three years. He played some. like He was never a starter, but he was a contributor for Michigan. He graduated. He went in the portal. He was expecting to have all his original options. And then he was in there for 18 months before he landed at Troy. He was in there for a full 18 months. The student was working two jobs at a grocery store and Dick's Sporting Goods, just like waiting for his chance to continue playing football. And that's the type of kid, like with his talent, you would expect to find something right away. But there's just not enough spots for everybody. Um, Sometimes you wait too long to get a spot and you end up with nothing. Sometimes you think a school is going to take you and they end up taking another position of need really late. There's just so much that goes into this. And I think that's why you see, as we talked about earlier, so much tampering. I think players are trying to have as much information as possible for the end of the portal, because there's a lot of risk associated with it. Cause sometimes you just don't end up going where you think you're going to go. 
It's going to be fascinating to follow moving forward. It already has been, and you've done a great job covering it. Be sure to follow Chris Summer as he continues to follow the transfer portal for 24-7 Sports. Before we let you go, uh, signing day week, just a couple weeks ago, you came out with a feature on Drew Aller, uh, the now-enrolled freshman quarterback here at Penn State. They did not make a big splash in the transfer portal, but they did on signing day. Uh, a few five stars. He's the headliner. What did you come away from those conversations and, and writing that piece, thinking about Drew Aller what lies ahead? I'm going to quickly pass along the headline of your story. Drew Aller has the limitless potential to help Penn State take the next step. And whether or not you put together that headline on your own, I'm going to apply it to this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't write that headline, but it is something <laughs> I. It is something I think about. What I think about Drew Aller with or with Clemson. I'm sorry. What I think about is I think there's two ways to win a national championship in college football. Um, that we've seen recently either a you stack up enough big time recruiting wins and you just have an overwhelming amount of talent like Georgia had when it won its national championship or you take the Clemson route which is you have very very good talent and you find an elite quarterback who can kind of push you over the top like we saw Deshaun Watson do for that program and that's how I think about Drew with Penn State I don't know if he's going to be that guy but I think he has that level of talent within his right arm to be that person for Penn State and Penn State is recruiting well enough besides of anyway, I believe they have the number six overall class in the country in 2022, but Drew, no offense to Sean Clifford has a higher upside and a higher ceiling than any quarterback at Penn State since Christian Hackenberg. And I don't want to disrespect Christian Hackenberg, but it probably didn't work out the way a lot of Penn State fans were hopeful, hoping it would. And there were difficult circumstances with that, but he is a first round type talent. And if he can reach that peak, I don't know, as a second year player for Penn State, he immediately puts, Penn State in a better position to win the Big Ten and therefore compete for a national championship than it was the last like five or six years. So if Drew Aller can reach his potential and there there's stuff he needs to improve on. He's he needs to get more accurate. I think he needs a year or two because he's only been playing quarterback since ninth grade. But if he can reach that ceiling, if he can reach that potential, I think he lifts Penn State's floor significantly and raises their ceiling a lot as well. We'll find out. We've got a ways to go through and getting to what his impact will be. Chris, we really appreciate you hopping on the podcast with us every once in a while. Good to have you back on here in 2022. Keep up the great work. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Chris. All right, good stuff from Chris. So again, if you're wondering what's happening in the transfer portal, you, you got to be following his Twitter page. He was all over the, all over everything. I felt like there for for day in day out. I know he's looking for a little bit of a reprieve, but I don't know when that's coming with the transfer portal. He, he didn't Sean, get it during the out? interview. <laughs> he didn't get it during yeah. the interview, even. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how much we had to out? cut out, but Jaden Daniels did in, did enter the portal yeah, while we were right. interviewing him, so we had to uh, do a little magical editing. Um, but thanks for Chris and thanks for Lance for cutting this up. But yeah, some some good insight there. Uh, just beyond the names, I think we got caught up in the names and things like that. But the process is so fascinating, um, how things have changed and how approaches have changed. You mentioned roster building a couple of times. Um, Penn State's obviously, you know, had some had a lot of success last year with bringing in guys like Arnold Ebikiti and uh, Derek Tangelo on the on the de defensive line and, and things like that. But I mean, there's no I don't think there's a perfect approach to it. I don't think we found a perfect approach to it. And now Penn State with two guys, by the way, I didn't know you were uh, on Mitch uh, on first name basis with Mitch Tinsley. Uh, I, that was, a, that was a surprise to me. Um, but yeah, they've got Mitchell Tinsley. They've got Hunter Norzad um, committed and still going to go after more tackles. Uh, Tyler Steen's still out there. Cole Spencer went in this week from Western Kentucky. Uh, that's an intriguing name as it, it was kind of uh Hummer kind of set us up. He's like, if you're an offensive tackle with experience, you're going to have 10 or 15 offers, whatever. Cole Spencer went in 45 games of starting experience. Um, he's got a lot of schools after him uh, so far. 
and and you, you still have a uh, priority at the edge priority at, la- at linebacker as well we mentioned the, the murphy twins from north texas cam butler is going to come in for a visit from miami ohio i still think there's names that are going to go into the portal in march as we continue to get through that and by the way they're bound to the dead period rules so they can't visit in february so we're going to see some of these guys pop up on campus in march um, one thing that also came up in the transfer around this week was Brandon Marcello uh, ranking the Big Ten programs in terms of the impact that that he sees on the roster uh, since the end of the 2021 year. He went all the way down to Iowa, which hasn't brought on board a single transfer um, and actually led off this list with Rutgers, which has six newcomers. Uh, looking at the average player rating for departures versus the average player rating for newcomers. Um, that was the formula here. And, and uh, for example, Penn St- uh, Rutgers goes up 4.58 points in, in that department on average. Uh, Penn State situated at number six. So right there in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten with two additions. They had nine departures, Sean, but 85 rating. You're looking at about an 86 and a half rating on, on, on aggregate for these two guys they brought in. We'll see if they can do some more maneuvering between now and March. But ahead of Penn State on this list, Wisconsin. Minnesota, Michigan State, who, who went really wild in the transfer portal last year. They got seven newcomers and Michigan, uh, one newcomer, uh, but because of that net gain uh, and bringing in Virginia offensive lineman, who I certainly cannot pronounce his name, but a Remington Trophy Award finalist, uh, Olu, Olu Twami, I believe it's pronounced. I may be wrong there, uh, but that's, that's where we're at, Sean. Six, again, uh, th- there's a lot you can delve in through the transfer portal. Who brought in what, who didn't? But that's where Penn State is, middle of the pack, according to Brandon Marcello. But I still think a net gain. I mean, you you look at what yes, they lost yeah, there, gain. and obviously Noah Kane. Depending which player you're getting with Noah Kane, that that could be construed as a loss. But you know, not many guys that you were expecting to contribute in in 2022, and all of a sudden you get a starting wide receiver, potential starting offensive lineman, and they're still looking. Uh, so that's the important thing is to stay ahead of it, uh, keep your guys that are going to contribute happy, keep them on campus, and then grab a couple guys that can supplement your talent. I think the you know while the numbers aren't the same as they were last year, you're still seeing a net. The, the net gain on the Penn State side of things. You're not losing projected starters. You're adding projected starters. At the end of the day, that equation is going to work out pretty well for you. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out here in the next few months if Penn State can add to that list of newcomers. Um, Sean, it's mailbag time. um, And this one actually leads us uh, to developmental uh, discussion here on the 2022 Penn State Outlook. Here we go. Uh, With the obvious depth issue at defensive end, how important is it for those developmental defensive ends that Penn State has taken over the past few years to take a big step forward? Do we know where guys like Davon Townley, Rodney McGraw, and Zariah Fisher are right now? And do we have an update on Bryce Mostella? And I know we wanted to start with that final question about Mostella, who, uh, of course, had some tweets a few few weeks ago uh, about his mental health status. Um, James Franklin confirming uh, just a, a couple weeks ago on signing day that he is not currently enrolled at the university. A lot going on behind the scenes. A lot of that needs to stay behind the scenes. And we wish Bryce well, but certainly would not count on him factoring into the 2022 defensive end conversation. Just wanted to kind of address that one off the top, Sean. Yeah, I don't see him being a part of the program at all moving forward. So that's not really anything changing there. Um, but it's an interesting question because we just talked about the portal and obviously Penn State still after, um, you know, defensive ends, edge players. If you want to find a hybrid guy, you mentioned the, the Murphy twins from North Texas. Um, they could play in there. I, th- I still think linebacker from a portal perspective might just be slightly higher than defensive end because you do have Adisa Isaac coming back and you, you don't want to lean on a guy that, that missed an entire year due to injury. But he was a talented guy. We're expecting big things from him 
last year. You've got Tarburton on the other side. I would go ahead and lump Smith Vilbert into this conversation. I think he's still very much a developmental guy. I know he set the Outback Bowl record for sacks, but did I? I'm I'm not convinced he's a guy that's going to come in and, and light the world on fire as a as a full time starting defensive end. So he still needs to take a step forward. Um, out of the three that are mentioned here among Townley, Rodney McGraw, and Zariah Fisher, I think Fisher is probably the guy that you look to. Um, obviously, that could could take a big step and help you get to the quarterback next year. Um, I think it's 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 important for him to you know gain that mass and and sort of retain some of that athleticism that we know that he has. Um, I think he's probably the highest floor guy here, and but he's still got a pretty high ceiling there as an edge rusher. I think he was the John Scott's pick for workout guy of the day um, on Thursday. So I, I think Zariah Fisher is probably going to factor in the most out of those guys. Davon Talley, very interesting to me. Uh, this is a guy that, that the people in the building keep bringing up to me, unprompted, uh, just massive, absolutely massive, which makes you wonder if he's an interior guy moving forward. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see where he's going to be. Um, he's made some strides since he's been on campus, but I, I think those two, Townley and McGraw, probably a little bit early to expect any returns from those guys. Um, so it, that that kind of shows why the portal is so important. If you can get an experienced guy that's that's gotten after the quarterback before, I think that helps. If you can get a different style guy, you've got Tar Burton and Smith Bilbert who don't, you know, they're not quick twitch guys off the edge. You can probably say the same for Townley and McGraw. Fisher still has a lot of work to do on in terms of learning the position, feeling out the position. So you're still looking for a guy that can give you a little bit something, uh, something a little bit different, excuse me, as a as a quick twitch edge rushing guy. You, I don't know if you're going to find Arnold Ebikati. Um, That was lightning in a bottle right there. That was a, an, an unbelievable job by Penn State to find him, to convince him, and then turn him into what is looking like a, a, a probably a second-round draft pick right now. So I think it's important for these guys to take steps forward, but you're looking at guys that are probably going to be in that five and six when you're talking about a three deep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they where they come in, in, um, in, in when the springtime comes. But Fisher, you're going to want him to be a contributor. Townley, if you can get that, probably, uh, you know, Townley, if you can get that, you you would be tickled with how that's going. McGraw, I think, probably still needs another year to, to sort of fill out and find out what he is as a defensive end prospect. And then, of course, you got Deny Dennis Sutton knocking on their door uh, from an eligibility standard. So it's going to be important. I don't know if it's going to show up like right away. I don't know that you're going to see these guys, you know, when you go to Purdue. Uh, I think Penn State will tighten up those rotations. You probably won't see many of these guys, maybe Fisher a little bit, uh, maybe Vilbert as well but uh it's it's still a it's still a spot where you're concerned about the top level talent um but you're also kind of churning long term uh and you have questions about those guys so it's a good question i think i think those guys um probably another year away for two of them and then fisher you would hope um is a guy that can contribute right right uh right in 2022 yeah, depending on what we see from the transfer portal in, in the next few months, wouldn't surprise me if, if Fisher is, is is playing starter level kind of reps. I don't know if he'll be a starter for you in, in 2022 for the Nittany Lions, but I think he'll be playing a, a ton of reps. He has that twitch. We've talked about it. Where, where's the twitchiness coming from off the edge with this group right now? Who's ready to do that? Last year wasn't about the developmental guys either. It was about moving Jesse Lucchetta from linebacker to defensive end. It was about having a healthy Nick Tarburton to, to give you a bunch of reps game in, game out. And it was about going and, and getting the tempo edge rusher Arnold Abikade. So um, 
Last year, he didn't find that developmental guy. He probably had one in Adiza Isaac who was ready to make that next step, but the injury happened. So um, a lot to look for there at defensive end. A very good question, a timely question, and the kind we appreciate coming our way um, on Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star rating and review anytime on Apple Podcasts. Include your question. We'll do our best to get to it here on the show. Um, That's going to wrap up this edition. Again, we are in the middle of February, about a month or so out of spring ball. We've got a lot of winter workouts to, to, to discuss, and we've got recruiting to get into. So all that and more coming your way next week for our producer, Lance Glenn, co-host Sean Fitz. Big thanks to Chris Hummer. I'm Tyler Donahue. Stay with us right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.